Welcome into another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. Sekou Smith in Atlanta here. My main man, John Schumann, is in New Jersey. Wild and crazy weekend around the NBA flat bonker shoe. I felt like we've stuffed six months worth of drama into four and a half, five days of actual games. You know, the, the Saturday night events at Staples Center certainly have dominated the headline shoe, but there's a lot more going on. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start off discussing the fight, the aftermath, and and the suspensions handed out after LeBron James's home debut with the Lakers. Chris Paul and, and Rajon Rondo were at the center of the drama. Brandon Ingram, though, ends up with the four-game suspension without pay for his role in the altercation. Rondo gets three games for spitting in the face of Chris Paul and throwing punches. Chris Paul gets two games without pay for, for retaliation. Since they've already decided what the punishments are, Shu, after you look back at all the video and see all of the details that went down, where do you find the, the biggest transgression by any of the people involved? Well, spitting is not good. The Brandon Ingram, the three things he did were, I, I don't, I can't explain any of them. You know, first shoving James Harden when Harden was just sort of talking to the ref mm-hmm. after the foul. Second, getting in the ref's face, like in the way that he yeah, did. That was strange. That was strange. Um, his, his reaction yeah. to Jason Phillips saying whatever he said. Yeah. And then third, coming in out of nowhere and, and throwing a sort of a, a a sucker punch, I guess, uh, when it was everybody else in the area was trying to separate Paul and Rondo. You know, the Lakers have said that the the Rockets were trying to get under his skin as all they game should. Long. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, and I don't know if he has sort of a reputation of of a guy that will get easily distracted or will that will get flustered if you try to play physical with him or you know if that's. I mean, obviously he's a, a skinny dude, so maybe you know the the is just to play physical with him and and try to keep him from having space to operate. But either way, you know, he the the three things that he did, all of them uh, were kind of silly and inexcusable. Yeah, I would take it that you agree that with a lot of people that Brandon Ingram was the most at fault. I I think it, all of those guys were at fault to certain degrees. E- even Chris Paul, after you get involved with Rondo, and I know he didn't instigate it, but got to be able to pull yourself away from foolish situations. And I and I I'm with everybody else. You know, if you spit in my face. Whatever logical thinking that I should have in that moment goes out the window. I think that's one of those things that it's hard for anybody to think rationally when you're thrown into that kind of mess. I just I hate it because what it did was overshadowed what looked like a pretty electric atmosphere at Staples Center and what was actually not a bad game. I mean, it was a pretty competitive game as well. LeBron finished his night just 9 of 22 from the floor, but 24 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and and they turned out all the stars. You know, you could look around the building and see that there were a ton of stars there. I I would have one other slight observation from the game shoe that I'm I'm not sure will be met with friendly response by a lot of Lakers fans. Did you find at all that the Lakers look like a team that's I think I think the word I'm looking for is apprehensive like they're still trying to figure out you know and I'm talking about the supporting player some of them just trying to figure out what it is they're supposed to do playing off of LeBron while LeBron to me looks like he's almost a little apprehensive not as assertive as we've seen him when he's really comfortable and kind of dialed in and locked in with a with a team that he knows what to expect from his teammate they have to figure out well what's going to work best for them I don't know if with the way their roster is built, if there's something that's going to work consistently and against the best teams in the West. But 
Yeah, I think they're definitely searching. And it's no surprise, really, that they've been outscored by 21 points per game from three-point range with their own lack of shooting and some defensive issues on the other end of the floor. But, I mean, some guys have shot poorly. Caldwell Pope has shot poorly. Lonzo Ball has more threes com- uh, than, than Caldwell Pope, Kuzma, and LeBron combined. And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, losing Ingram and, and Rondo for four and three games, respectively, is not going to help as far as trying to figure out the lineups that are going to work. The small ball has not worked at all in their first two games. They've basically gotten destroyed. You know, JaVale McGee's been the only center they've played, and they basically got destroyed defensively when he's off the floor so far. So the the Kuzma slash LeBron at center lineups have not been good. And, you know, I think there's definitely from from LeBron to his teammates to Luke Walton, they're still searching for answers, obviously. And um, you know, we'll see what 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 comes of these next few games without those guys. It's obviously an opportunity for Ball, an opportunity for Josh Hart. You know, Caldwell Pope is going to get a little bit more rope without Ingram. Um, so we'll see. It's it's early, but and and we should expect this team to be much better in February and March than they are now. But these two games were important as far as where they are in the Western Conference, really, because especially like Portland, that should be a team that they're fighting for playoff position with. Yeah. Uh, down well, you mentioned it being early. It is it is definitely early. Week two power rankings shoe are out there, and I was hoping there would be some crazy, shocking surprises on there and there were really um so i you're not no i see, was not i wasn't stunned this is, this, i thought you might have a week where you can sort of have some fun with it because you have basically two or three results for every team and you know i i just sort of scrapped the preseason right. stuff for the most part and, well, and you didn't you have know. the hawks in the top five so i was thinking <laughs> it wasn't gonna go off the rails i know trey young had a big game so yeah. now i'm ready to give him rookie of the year and you know he gets 35 and 11 against the Cavs. First one of the season for the Hawks. I had a couple emails bright and early, you know, telling me you're wrong about Trey Young, which I never, I never weighed in positively or negatively about what I thought about his selection. I think you know, like a lot of rookies going into tough situations, you have to give him time. You know, you got to give him a little time to see what he's capable of. But no, I mean, I, I was being facetious when I said that. Obviously, it's it's a it's what I expected. The top five being the Raptors, Nuggets, Pelicans, Warriors, Celtics. I think most people could could deduce that those would be the teams in the mix, at least for one of those top five spots if we're doing it after three games. I guess the one surprise shoot to some people might be the Nuggets, but they look they've looked really good. I mean they and have a very impressive win over the Warriors to put on their resume during the very early stages of this season. Are they are they the team out of everyone that's m- most impressed you so far? Or or would it be Toronto? Uh you know so we knew Toronto was going to be good, and I think the beating the beating Boston is obviously a great win. And then coming back and, and winning in Washington on the second game of a back to back without Kawhi Leonard is obviously a good win. But the I guess Denver is definitely a bigger surprise, not only because you know they beat Golden State, but because they have the the league's number one defense through yeah. through the first through the first week. This is a team that has been at the bottom of the league in defense the last couple of years. They hadn't held three straight opponents that are point per possession at all in the last two seasons. They hadn't done it in since like March of 2016, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Malone's first season with the Nuggets. So this is, that's, that's the, this, the surprise to me, you know, we'll see if that holds up, but in a week where 
offense was sort of front and center and offense was at a much higher level than it, where it was in week one last year. The fact that they've held three straight opponents under a point per possession is definitely yeah. noteworthy. The thing that's really stood out to me so far, and of course we are so, you know, we're in the, the shallowest of waters, you know, for an 82 game season, of course, is I wasn't expecting the quality of depth that some of these teams have shown early on to shine the way it has. The Milwaukee Bucks, I haven't always been enamored with their roster, just the makeup of the pieces and how they fit. But it speaks to what having a fresh set of eyes can do to a roster and and having a guy who's got a track record of, you know, being able to take and shape and mold certain pieces together. I really like what Mike Budenholzer has done with that Bucks team. Uh, I think it's interesting that the Detroit Pistons have a couple of solid wins under their belt and look decidedly different in terms of how they're playing. Ish Smith and Reggie Jackson, you know, they've been an issue at the position in the past. It looks to me like, you know, Dwayne Casey maybe is figuring out a way to make that work, you know, with those two guys where both of them bring certain things to the table. It's been as expected for me pretty much in the Western Conference shoe. I'm not putting too much emphasis on records three games in for most of these teams. I'm really looking at just the, what these guys look like on the hoof as as group. And I like uh, what Portland has done so far. Uh, the Clippers have been surprising to me in, in how they've played. The one team that's that maybe I'm, I have a red light on about, or maybe I'll say yellow right now since we're still so early, is, and I know he's not in the lineup right now in Russell Westbrook, is Oklahoma City. I think there were people who felt like the Thunder would be one of the top four teams in the West or had an opportunity to be one of the top four teams in the West this year. Shoot, I've, I'm not sure I like, even with uh, you know Russ healthy in a lineup, I don't know that I like the makeup of the Thunder's team. Something about what they have wow. as a group just does not sit well with me right now. They have been pretty awful offensively. Westbrook coming back on Sunday and playing helped the offense a little bit, helped Paul George's numbers definitely. Paul George shot much better on Sunday than he did in their first two games. But, yeah, like you said, beyond Westbrook, George, and Steven Adams, I mean, I think you're, you are searching for answers. Dennis Schroeder has been has shot terribly so far. Obviously playing against starter, maybe things will be better playing against the bench. Now that Westbrook is back, than than he was against starters. But Patrick Patterson is off to a, another cold start. The guy seems to shoot poorly every October and November. And Terrence Ferguson hasn't shot well. I saw Brinus get hurt the other day. I think yesterday. I'm not sure what his status is going forward. But nobody basically has stepped up. Jeremy Grant can't make a shot from the outside. So it's it's I think it's going to be a year-long question, and at least until Andre Robertson gets back, who can they count on beyond Westbrook, George, and Adams? I mean, those two are – those three are, are terrific, obviously, and, and one of the best trios in the league. But you need more be, uh, beyond that. You know, when Westbrook gives their offense a little bit of a lift on Sunday, they can't stop the Kings, and not stopping the Kings is uh, a bad sign, obviously. We'll continue – with a season-long autopsy on a lot of these teams, you we dig into the, you know the circuit circuitry on all these teams all year long. But that that's one team to me that I felt like we kind of gave them a pass when Kevin Durant left. You know, everybody was like, well, you know, and Russ wins an MVP, averages a triple double in back to back years. We we spent so much time celebrating the things they have done. I don't know that we focused as hard on the rougher edges of, of what they got going on in terms of they never. 
They never fleshed out the roster when KD was there to me. And now with him gone and Paul George added, obviously Carmelo was there and gone. They still have some of those same issues in terms of roster makeup that I think bear watching. Your team to watch for week two is the Washington Wizards. And I know they're kicking off a five-game road trip after a glorious 0-2 start, which kind of speaks to all of the things I said about them in our preview of the Wizards on NBA.com. I just don't understand why this team has such a difficult time playing up to their own internal expectations. What is it about the Wizards that does not seem to translate from who and what they think they are to what we see of them in action? It's hard to explain. You know, they can look fantastic at times. I mean, John Wall looked explosive, you know, uh, against Toronto the other night. Bradley Beal has looked great at times. But collectively, I don't know if the the whole is ever greater than the sum of the parts. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's that's an issue. Obviously, they're missing Dwight Howard, and rebounding has been a huge problem with that for them in the first two games. I think they gave up 44 second-chance points in, in the two games combined. And obviously, Kelly Olynyk got the game winner on a second chance uh, where Marquise Morris failed to box out. They played their first two games against teams playing the second game of back-to-back. They were at home for both those games. They were rested for both of those games. You have to take care of business in that sense. And now they have a five-game trip that starts Monday in Portland, and then they play Golden State, Sacramento, the Clippers, and Memphis. Those are there are some winnable games on that trip, but you know they have to figure things out pretty quickly. I'm not sure about Dwight's uh, Howard's stat- status on the trip. He's got the still got the uh, pain in the butt, I guess. And uh, I think he said he's a pain in his own butt, right? Yeah, and he should help right. be killed on the glass, not only when they played small with Marquise, Mar- Marquise Morris or Jeff Green at center. They've tried that quite a bit. Um, but they've also been beat up on the glass when they've had uh, Yamahimi or Jason Smith at center, too. So Howard taking some of those minutes will help in that regard. But like I said, I mean, it's it, this is about this team coming together. Otto Porter still not getting as many shots as I would like him to. Seems invisible at times. And I guess this team has something to prove all season long. But right now, in regard to a disappointing start and a, a very interesting road trip. Yeah. My team to keep an eye on this week, and I know it sounds nutty, you know, because it's a team that you shouldn't have to worry about at all. And I'm not worried about them. But I think the Warriors have an interesting week to me, Shu. Hosting Phoenix tonight, a Phoenix team that's shown some some life early on. Uh, they get a chance to, you know, wrestle with the Wizards on Wednesday night at Oracle. And then they kind of, you know, do a, an early, kind of get on the road a little bit early. I like that the Warriors seem more engaged early on this year. Maybe they're, you know, they're not as relaxed going into the regular season as they were after winning a championship a couple of years ago. Maybe that they understand there's clear and present danger, at least theoretically, and not getting the kind of start you need to to fight it out for that number one spot in the West. I mean, they gave it up last year. They did not chase with Houston last year. And I think, I don't know if that was out of a sense of they felt comfortable in their position no matter where they landed and knew that they would be able to battle and win on the road in the playoffs, or they just didn't want to expend the kind of energy they knew it would take for something as, I don't know if, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not trivial because getting the number one seed often is the difference between a team, you know, having a true opportunity to play for a championship or not. But for them, given what they've accomplished, it it wasn't a necessity. I I didn't feel like I didn't think they felt like it was absolutely necessary for them to have the top spot in in the standings to assure themselves a game seven on the road, potentially. I mean, at home, potentially in the playoffs. They they seem more locked in and focused. Maybe it's the, the closeness of their games they've played so far this season. Maybe it's, you know, the, the, 
the injection of what's going around going on around them. You know, the fact that some other teams have done things to to put themselves in a different position. But I like that the Warriors are going to get challenged. Like, you know, you're going to see certain teams challenge them the way the Jazz did. And uh, I haven't been all that impressed with the Warriors, honestly. I mean, I, the one thing that's impressed me is that Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry can get buckets when they need one. <laughs> Um, but really, like I, I Clay thought, has a shot at well. Yeah, I mean, there've been some yeah, issues. Clay, Clay Thompson's been—he's won one for fourteen on catch and shoot threes uh, through three games. But I, I don't—I don't think they're all that locked in. I think they've just been able to, you know, when teams have been threats, they've been able to just count on Durant sort of bailing them out with a lot of one-on-one possessions where you can just, all right, get the ball to KD, and he's—he's he's able to shoot over whoever's guarding him. And you know, he's been terrific, and Curry has been good, but they needed the tip in from Jonas Jurepko in, in Utah, and then they couldn't make it work in Denver uh, on Sunday. Turnovers being an issue again, and then their, their three-point shooting being issued. What's weird is that they rank 26th in the percentage of their shots that have come from three-point range. Early on, you know, they've been kind of mid-range heavy. You know, that's sort of what you get with Durant. Thompson shooting better will help that, but I think also it's just a, um, a collective thing as well. Yeah, and I, I, from, I mean, I, was get, I wasn't getting at that they were playing great. I just meant that they're interesting to watch as they to me, are more engaged. They 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 cruise controlled a lot of times last year. To me, you know, they were on cruise control, knowing that they were the better team, not stressing a loss here and there the way they did when you're chasing a 73 win season and trying to be all time great. I, I just I'll be interested to see how they work through that, and especially how Draymond continues to to kind of get himself in the right kind of game shape that he needs to be to be his most effective. I saw him that he's that he mentioned something that shoot through the first week looks interesting. He talked about defense not being a priority in in today's NBA anymore and that when you look around and league wide scoring is is on the rise, maybe Draymond has a point. Maybe maybe teams have decided the best way to counteract, you know, this, this prevalence of pace and space and three-point shooting is to join it as opposed to trying to beat it. Why try and stop what looks inevitable and just see if you can't get on this train and ride? I mean, there, there have been some scores that I look up and go, man, this team's got a hundred and what points at the end of the third, you know, early in the fourth quarter. Like what? Yeah, 10 teams, 10 teams have scored at least 125 in at least one game so far. And we haven't had a single overtime yet. And so compared to last year, pace is up. Pace will go down as the season goes goes along, I believe. But efficiency is also up and efficiency usually increases as the season goes on. So we could be in for a heck of an, an offensive season. Uh, like I said, efficiency is up from where we were last year um, and it should increase as we go along. And so it could be a pretty incredible offensive season. If we get more weeks like this first week shoot, drama, high scores, yeah, left I mean, We still haven't resolved the Jimmy Butler issue. So we've got uh... a... I mean, that's like history now. Like, Jimmy who? Like what? <laughs> I mean, that's what I love the the, the news cycle in this league is is nonstop. Um, you could be hot news one week, and and by the next Tuesday, nobody remembers your name. It's that kind of a deal around the NBA right now. And again, uh, the week two power rankings. John Schumann's week two power rankings are on NBA.com. You need to dive in and make sure you check that out. Again, it's early, so you know it's not like you can send them hate mail because your team is not where you want them to be. There's plenty of time left in this NBA season for your team to either climb fall or be stagnant in the NBA.com power rankings. Shu, I know you were grinding away. I appreciate you taking the time, obviously, to hop on with your boy when when I know you you probably need a serious nap after burning that midnight oil on the power rankings. We'll be back on Thursday uh, with another episode of the Hangtime Podcast. Make sure you check it out. And uh, be sure to subscribe to Hangtime 
on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for episodes every Monday and Thursday all season long. Don't forget to leave a review. We appreciate you, and we'll see you right here next time on the Hangtime Podcast.